Today we're continuing our series, How Are You Really? And we're talking about something that many, many, many of us are experiencing right now, and that is uncertainty and transitions. And so we are going to actually look at this through the life of one of Jesus' followers, one of his disciples, Peter. And so we're going to take a brief walk through the roller coaster that was Peter's life, as reported in the Gospels. So first, Peter's name was actually Simon, and he was a simple fisherman, uneducated and raised up in the family profession of catching fish. Well, one morning, he is returning from his nightly fishing, and a man approaches him with a large gathering of people. The man asks Simon if he could push him out into the water. So Simon takes the man just away from the shore, and there this man begins speaking to the crowds about the kingdom of God. Once he had finished his message, he looked down at Simon and said, how about we go a little bit deeper and uh, you can cast out your nets down there. Uh, to this, Simon says to him, but teacher, uh, or but master, we fished all night long and haven't caught a thing, but if you say so, then... I will go out and put out the nets again. So they sail out a little bit more from the shore. He puts down his net, and as he tries to pull up, he actually has to call for help from his partners because the nets were beginning to tear. They had caught so many fish. And at this miracle, Simon bows down for this man who renames him Peter and calls him to follow him. This man, Jesus, promises to make Peter a fisher of men. So Peter begins following Jesus around from town to town, and he sees Jesus do incredible things. People are healed of their illnesses and disabilities. Peter's own mother-in-law is healed from a dangerous fever. He sees him walk on water, calm storms, feed thousands of people with only a few fish and a few loaves of bread. Peter is the first one to identify Jesus as the Son of God, come to establish God's kingdom. And Jesus tells him that it is upon Peter's testimony about him that he will build his church. Then Jesus starts saying some strange things to him and his fellow disciples. He starts saying how he's going to be handed over to the religious leaders who have been opposing him and how he's going to be killed three days later and then he will rise from the dead. Then the night before this actually happened, Jesus tells them again that this is going to happen. And he says how all the disciples are going to abandon him, desert him. But Peter, he's bold, and he stands up, and he tells them that he will not desert him. He is even ready to die with Jesus. And Jesus tells them that before the rooster crows that day, that Peter would deny even knowing him three times. And then it all happens. Jesus is arrested in a garden as he's praying. Peter and another disciple follow them into the area where he's going to be questioned. And as Peter enters the courtyard of this place, one of the servants asks him, aren't you one of his followers? I don't know the man, Peter responded. And then later, as he's warming himself by a fire, another servant asks, were you not one of this man's followers? I do not know the man, Peter says again. But one of them insists 
But your accent's not from Jerusalem, it's from Galilee to the north, where this Jesus came from. Surely you're one of his followers. I tell you, Peter responds angrily, I have no idea who that man is. Once he denied knowing Jesus the third time, a rooster crowed. And Peter then realized what he had done, and he remembered the words that Jesus had told him, that he would deny him three times. The man who he had just said he was willing to die for he denies three times, and so Peter runs out of the courtyard in dismay. Jesus is handed over the Romans and executed on the cross. Now what? What's next for Peter? Had he just blown his shot at the calling that Jesus had placed on his life? Could Jesus possibly build his church on the testimony of a man who had denied him three times? Even if he hadn't blown that shot, Jesus is dead. Could he have been lied to by this man? How could the Son of God be killed by the Romans? So Peter enters a time of real uncertainty, a time that the majority of us are currently feeling during this time of COVID-19. As we sit down to try to plan out our summers and what they'll look like, we get a bunch of question marks. And don't even ask us what September will look like. Some have been laid off with no idea when they're going to return to work or when they'll get a new job. Students have transitioned from being in class to online school to part-time in class with reduced numbers to who knows what in the fall. And me and Caitlin, my wife, also find ourselves entering into a summer of uncertainty as this is my last Sunday on staff here at Jericho with a new ministry starting who knows when and who knows where at this point. So how are you really doing during this time of uncertainty? I know for me it's a real roller coaster. There are days of excitement for what's next of what God has in store for us in this next season, but there are also days of restlessness and impatience Nights awake with anxiety and panic, conversations that we have about the end of a chapter at a church we love dearly and processing the grief that comes with that. And these are common feelings of transitions and particularly feelings that we feel during the part of transitions that I'm sure most of us hate the most, I know I hate the most, the waiting part. And yet the waiting in this uncertainty of the in-between is probably the most vital part of transitioning well. Peter Scazzaro, in the last chapter of his book, The Emotionally Healthy Leader, speaks about transitioning in a healthy way. He says there are four steps or attitudes that are required for a healthy transition. And actually all these steps take place in that waiting period. So we're going to look at those steps and we're going to look at it also through the lens of how Peter, with the help of Jesus, walked through these steps into the new path that Jesus was calling him to. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, you can join me in the book of John chapter 21. You can look in the table of contents to find John in your Bible. And uh, chapter 21 is the very last chapter of John, so you can even flip over to Acts and then go back a page or two to John. And you've got to make sure you're not in... 1 John, or 2 John, or 3 John, but just straight John, or the gospel according to John. So we're going to start reading at verse 15, but first I'm going to give you some context 
Jesus was killed by the Romans on the cross. Three days later, the tomb that he was laid in is discovered to be empty. And Jesus has already reappeared to his followers on a few different occasions. Jesus has risen from the dead. And now the disciples have traveled away from Jerusalem, where Jesus was arrested and killed, to their home province of Galilee. And because Jesus told them to wait for him there. And a few of them are hanging out down by the Sea of Galilee when Peter decided he wanted to go fishing. And so they fish all night without catching a single fish. And as the sun is rising, someone from the shore calls out and asks if they've caught anything. When they tell the man that they had not, he tells them to cast their net on the right side of the boat. So the disciples decide to do so. They cast it on the outside of the net and they struggle to pull in the net because it was so full of fish, 153 fish to be exact. And yet the nets didn't rip. At this miracle, one of the disciples says, that's Jesus on the shore. And so bold Peter jumps into the water and swims to shore, leaving the rest of the disciples to haul in the fish and bring in the boat. And when they arrive at the shore, they find a campfire, and Jesus has started breakfast for for them. And that's where we come in at verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you didn't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know about what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. The first step in Scazzaro's book is that we accept endings are a death. Moving from the old to the new is a death of the old, and we can often ignore that fact. We can focus so much on the new thing that is coming up that we ignore our feelings of grief and loss over the thing that is now dying in order for the change. And we do need to spend time coming to terms with the death of the thing we were leaving behind. If we don't accept that death, then there will always be a part of that we're clinging to that's hindering us from fully entering into this new chapter that God has for us. In a way, during this time of uncertainty, Peter returned to his old way of life that was dying as a fisherman. Now there's no indication that what what, uh, Peter did here was wrong in going fishing. It doesn't say that Peter was planning to go back to his career as a fisherman of fish, that he's going to do it professionally. He just decided that he wanted to go do some fishing. But it does actually help set up a close of his previous chapter of life. The story actually mimics the call of Jesus the first time that I had summarized earlier. In his first calling and now in his second calling, Peter is out fishing all night and catches no fish. Suddenly Jesus appears and tells Peter to cast out his net again. 
Peter obeys and he catches an unbelievable amount of fish. And then Jesus calls Peter to follow him. It is a reaffirmation that Peter's life as a fisherman is dead and that his new life as a fisher of people is beginning. And the need of this reaffirmation is because of Peter's mistake when he denied knowing Jesus three times. Jesus affirms that it is still upon Peter's testimony that he would build the church, even despite Peter's denial of Jesus in the courtyard during Jesus' trial. And he reaffirms and reestablishes Peter's call by asking Peter three times if he loved him, allowing Peter to declare his love for him and erase the rejection that he had made of him in the past. So Peter not only had to accept the death of his previous life as a fisherman, but also accept the death of the mistakes he had made in the past. For him to transition into the new thing that Jesus had for him, he had to accept that the mistakes he had made were dead and gone, forgiven by Jesus. For him to be the rock upon which the church would be built, he needed to accept that Jesus forgave him of his denial of him. If he couldn't accept that, and carried it with him into the new life of God, uh, the new life that God had for him, then his testimony would not be the solid rock that it needed to be. A couple weeks ago, Peter Ash talked about grief and loss. And as we sit in a time of uncertainty and reflect pre-COVID, now in the quarantine and the self-isolation in the phase one or two or three of COVID, we sit in this time of uncertainty and we have to reflect what things do we acknowledge that we have lost and need to accept that they have died, that they're not coming back. What ex- mistakes have we made in the past that we need to let die that's hindering us from being ready into this new thing that God is calling to us? What mistakes do we need to seek forgiveness for? Or maybe there are even some mistakes that we've made that we have been given for, but we need to accept that we have been forgiven for them. We need to let those die as well as we move into this new life. The second step in Scazzaro's transition steps is recognizing that the in-between often takes much longer than we think. Peter's waiting in the in-between was certainly longer than he had anticipated. Uh, weeks before, Jesus had entered into Jerusalem with great fanfare. Uh, there was people on the sides of the street cheering. And Peter probably suspected that Jesus was going to establish God's kingdom that week, setting himself up as king in Jerusalem. And instead, Jesus was arrested and killed. And then Jesus rises again and he appears to them three days after he had died. Surely now Jesus would appear before the world as God's son and establish his kingdom with him on the throne, and yet he did not. And then Peter has now has this recommissioning moment that we just read. Surely now Peter would start his ministry and preach God's kingdom, and yet he and the rest of the followers were then told to go to Jerusalem and wait till the Spirit was sent upon them. It was about 50 days after Jesus' resurrection before the Holy Spirit came upon the believers and the church begins under the leadership of Peter and the other disciples of Jesus. It was over three years from the time that Jesus had very first appeared to Simon and called him to follow him. So the question 
for reflection for us is what are our expectations of how long this period of waiting is going to be? Are you prepared for your date, whatever date you had set in your mind, to actually be longer than that date? How would you feel if that date that you have in mind comes and passes and you have no more certainty than you do now about what the future is going to look like? And all this links actually into the next step, or in this case, attitude number three of Schizero's transitions, viewing endings and waitings as being linked to our growing in faith in Christ. If we view waiting as actually something producing transformation in us or something maturing us in faith, then it helps us be able to wait that little bit longer than if we view waiting as just sitting and doing nothing until something happens. We need to actively wait, as paradoxical as that may sound. The 50 days before Peter really started his new calling, he was spending time with Jesus. The book of Acts tells us the story of Jesus ascending into heaven and the establishment of the church. And in Acts chapter 1, it says that during 40 days after his crucifixion, he, Jesus, appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. He spent time listening to God and learning about the message he was to preach. He was preparing himself for the season that was to come. Now, Peter at least had an idea of what was to come. Many of us have no idea what's coming and no idea how to prepare for what God has for us specifically. Despite this, we can still actively wait and prepare ourselves generally. Scazzaro says the central truth that Jesus is risen from the dead is what enables us to affirm that endings are always a gateway to new beginnings, even when we can't discern that anything redemptive could emerge from our loss. The key is to be willing to wait. And while we wait, we spend extended amounts of time alone with God. We process our thoughts and emotions with others or in a journal. We position ourselves as expectant pilgrims on our journey. We listen and learn, looking for and expecting to see signs of new life. Actively waiting means purposely spending time with God, listening to Him and speaking to Him. I started the practice of writing out my prayers in a journal back in January, and I have uh, really, really focused on that now during this time of uncertainty for myself. What have I, what I've found in spending this time in, uh, with God is answers to prayer and God's provision of his peace. And the benefit of writing it down is that I can look back on it and see where he's been at work. I can look back at what I've written and, and see the times where I sat down feeling anxious and writing about my anxiety about the future to God. And the next day, as I reflect on the day past, I find myself writing down thanking him for the peace that he gave me. Or I write to God about how I'm feeling discouraged, how I feel like I'm not capable for this new thing that he's calling me to. And then later on, a few days later, I look and I see that I'm writing and thanking God for the encouragement that he's given me that week. Uh, the boldness he's given me to make me feel like, yeah, this is where he's calling me and that means he's prepared me for this. And the months have seen me being able to trust God more and more, and that is growing my faith. So what steps do you need to take 
to be actively waiting. Now, writing might not be for you, and that's fine. Maybe you need to find moments of silence to spend with God. Maybe you need to carve out time to dwell in Scripture. Maybe you need to gather a group of friends and spend time in Scripture and prayer together. Maybe you can join a small group and check out the Jericho Ridge website and the groups and see if there's a group that you can sign up and meet with over Zoom or or in our gymnasium. What do you need to be doing to actively wait? The final attitude that Scazzaro presents is recognizing that endings and the waiting are gateways to a new beginning. Recognizing that something good comes from the ending and the waiting, while the ending of something is a death, from death comes new life. Jesus' own physical death shows this. From his death, he was able to rise to new life and is thus able to offer us the same life when we die to our old life. The day that Peter first stepped away from his boat and followed Jesus' call to follow him was the end of Peter's fishing career, the death of his old life and the new beginning of his life as the Apostle Peter, the one whose testimony would help build the church of Jesus. And when we've been able to grieve the death of an ending, we are able to fully turn and embrace the future of the new life, even in waiting for that new life to come. So friends, as we continue to make our way through this time of uncertainty and as we wait for whatever new beginning may be, let us recognize that what we have left behind is a death and we must properly grieve that to be prepared for what God has next for us. Let us go forward knowing that this uncertainty could last longer than we expect. Perhaps it already has lasted longer than we were expecting. But let us continue to wait but wait actively, spending time with God. Let us be honest with him about the way that we're feeling and open ourselves up to um, his encouragement and to the peace that he wants to offer to us. I think that's the end. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like there's some missing. Uh-oh. Let's wait. To con- oh, no. That's because that... Let us continue to wait, but wait actively, the last sentence? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just, it's a comma at the end, so that's what confused me. Oh, yeah, I thought I had. Okay, that's cool. Oh. Oh, you're right. Um, did you add stuff? Or after you sent it to me? Nope. Um, yeah, there's like three lines left. There's listening for God, spending time with Him, and growing deeper and trust with Him. Okay, well, that's basically what I said.